Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. If you take your Bibles with me this morning, turn to the New Testament. Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, is our text for this morning. So take your Bibles, turn them on, open them up, join me in locating the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 5. That's where we're going to start our reading for the text this morning. <clears throat> Do you have it? Are you ready for this? All right, let's go. All right, you're okay. Um, I turned the lights off on purpose. It's part of what we're talking about today. And uh, what are you feeling at this moment? Would it be better for some of you if we turn the lights on? I wonder how many of you have a light. Um, you have a light, turn it on. I see all your lights during the service. I know there's more lights than that. Now check this out. <laughs> see the difference? And some of you haven't reached for your camera. Some of you, I, there may be a few flip phones out there. <laughs> but the difference that a light makes, right? We're talking today about light. Last week we talked about the salt of the earth. This day, we're talking about the light of the world. All right, um, let's get back to full, full power and lights, okay? Salt and light. Do you realize how scary a place this world is without the light of Christ? And the importance that you play in this world as you reflect the light of Christ. No wonder the world stumbles in darkness. I was reminded of that um, earlier this morning when at a little after four o'clock I was uh, shaving my face and uh, the light, the light bulb, there's a a strip of lights above our vanity, and there has been a light bulb that has been out for some time. I've been reminded about that a time or two. And actually, it was on Rhonda's side that the light was out. Of course, we didn't want to hide any beauty on that side. Now, she wasn't up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but I didn't want to hide any beauty on that. So earlier in the week, I had taken the light bulb from my side, and I put it over on her side, but this morning at 4 o'clock, I noticed the difference. And, and you know, I, I mentioned Rhonda, my wife, of, uh, will be 36 years um, this August. Um, things, things have changed in 36 years. In fact, um, last night I commented, we, I laughed a little bit. We, we do take turns in the kitchen 
Um, over the years, I've been the guy who does the grilling. Um, I cook the meat, right? And last night, um, I don't know what has happened in these 36 years, my dear, but she was cooking the meat and I was making the dessert. I don't bake, but my garden produced some rhubarb. And so I made some rhubarb stuff and I didn't want anybody messing that up and so I was working on that and she was making the meat. <clears throat> we were going to put things in the oven, check on things because um, I didn't want her, what she was making, to mess up what I was making and so we were constantly checking and the light was out in the oven. I couldn't see exactly everything that I wanted to see. And in the world... You know, without a light, um, it might be difficult to make your way around early in the morning or to see exactly what's in the oven. But without light in the world, the world stumbles along in darkness. And, and the, the ultimate effect of that is devastating. It can be absolutely devastating. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, notice verses 18 and 19, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I like the New Living Translation where it says those same verses this way, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day, but the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. Matthew records this message of Jesus. And in verse 13 of chapter 5, he says this. Jesus is teaching his disciples on how to live in the world. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14 Watch this, you are the light of the world. Interpret that verse with me. You. Who's you? You is you. You are that you. You are. What are you? You are the light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice again what Jesus says to his disciples. You are the salt of the earth, and then he tells them they're the light of the world. What a description that he is assigned to them and to us. Salt of the earth, light of the world. By the way, <clears throat> when, when I think about people with potential and light, one of the things that comes to mind, especially at this time of the year, is all of our uh, graduating seniors, especially those graduating, a lot of people graduating uh, from from maybe from one grade to the next, or from, even from high school to college, graduating college, um, 
people going on getting graduate degrees. I'm excited about all of that, but particularly thinking about some of our seniors, especially this time of year. And what has been amazing to me is over the years, and it doesn't really matter where the student has been going to school. So we see it in Niles High School. We see it Brandywine High School. We see it in Buchanan, Edwardsburg, Cassopolis, Berrien Springs. We've had students from South Bend, homeschools, private schools, Resurrection Lutheran Academy, different schools where they're, they're graduating and consistently, year after year, time after time, uh, those students that we know and, and have watched grow up are excelling. They're, some of them at the top of their class. It's amazing to me, the valedictorians, the salutatorians, those graduating in the top 10 of their class, those students from a part of our family. It's just amazing to me. Um, so congratulations, moms and dads. Congratulations, grand grandparents who are investing in students. Congratulations to our students who um, are making good. And in, when I think about that, I see the opportunities for them to be light in all these various um, um, schools around us. They are light. They're salt. They're, they're letting their lights shine. I'm, I am so proud of them. And, and so in, in academics and, and in athletics, some signing uh, to play sports in, in college, and there are others who, who are graduating uh, that, that are going on to trade schools and are learning skills that, that absolutely keep our country moving. So I'm, I'm so excited about um, those opportunities to be lights. And then when I th you, you think about that, you think of all the, the good folks who serve in schools, uh, those who are on the staff who uh, day in and day out have contact with students who are investing in, in lives and, and teachers and uh, administrators, people who are impacting the world. Those, that's a, one of the great places that we have opportunity to be salt and to be light. Salt and light, two of the most important necessities of life. Salt kept food from rotting. Light removed darkness. B by the way, you, you understand that, that darkness cannot eliminate light. But light can punch a hole in the darkness, right? So your life is what Jesus is instructing us here is something that keeps the world from rotting and removes darkness so people can see how to live. Now, that, what an endorsement on how to live from our Savior Christ. Um, he said, I want you to live in such a way that, that you can keep the world around you from rotting and you can give people uh, truth, light, in order to know how to live. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, they were some of the most important people in the world. Every Christian is given that same compliment by Jesus. Every disciple, salt of the earth. Every disciple, light of the world. Now, we can look around, can't we, at our world, and we can see the, the decay of society. I, I shared this with you um, a few weeks back, that when, during a time of of recovering from surgery, I was um, 
quarantined to, to my home. It wasn't supposed to be walking, wasn't supposed to put pressure on my leg, uh, you know, excessively, you know, limited amount, um, was told, uh, scolded a bit by uh, the doctor for doing too much and, and was sneaking in, you know, the office a time or two, but was told, you know, I should lay off and I'm, I'm about to lose my, you know, my pee-picking brain, just going crazy in the house, you know, thinking of all the things, making lists of all the stuff that I, I needed to get done. And I was, and, and I, and I succumbed to uh, the, the horrible habit of, of wasting some time watching TV, watching the news. And, 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 I, and I was flipping through the channels. I mean, I, I, was, I was just, you know, about two or three minutes on one place is about all you can take, and so you go on to the next thing, you know. <clears throat> I was wearing out my TV room, and I'm getting news and news, and I'm thinking, man, this is bad. And he goes, well, this is even worse, and well, this is even worser. Right? It was just awful. And, and after a while, I was getting depressed. I said, you know, this, you know we're, we're on a fast train to, to, to nowhere good. Um, I, I had this, began to have this attitude. I was like, man, uh, why is everybody so stupid? What's happening to people? Why? People have lost their minds. What, what is happening? Um, why, why would people lie when it would be easier to tell the truth? How can you watch this person give a testimony of what just happened and this person give a testimony of just what happened and you'd feel like they were on different planets? And I started to get frustrated. Then I got mad. I'm going, this is crazy. The world's crazy. Dark. What's happening here? It didn't take much of that. And, and I started getting a bad attitude. You know, um, you know who, 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 who should you believe? Well, absolutely no one. Um, what do you think the truth is? Who knows? And I began to see story after story after story of crime and, and, and misery and, and wars and all this stuff. And I thought, what a dark world that we live in. And you know, there was a point where um, I had to readjust my focus. When I began to think about what the devil was doing in the world, I lost my focus. When I began to think about what God was doing in the world, I regained my focus. You see, oftentimes when we get confused or lost in this world, it's because we have lost a gospel-centered focus. What is God doing in this world? And here's what I was reminded of. You won't see this necessarily reflected in the balance of news that you watch or the stories that you hear about. But here's what I'm absolutely convinced of, that no matter how dark the world is, the light of Christ shines brighter. That no matter how wrong the world can be, Christ is right. And so there's a focus, there's a, there's a, there's a purpose that is happening we've been called to be light and salt, and so we have to figure out how we're going to live up to our calling. So last week we talked about being salted with fire. This week we're talking about being the light of the world. Jesus is giving his disciples an outline of his expectations. In addition to being salt and light, they were the light of the world. Now what does that mean for us today? First, let me remind you 
that you have been called to be a follower of Christ. Come follow me is the offer to anyone who believes in Christ. Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus says this, He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You're the light of the world. He said, I want you to come follow me, and I want you to be the light of the world. And then to be more specific, following Christ means that we're the light of the world. You are the light of the world in the world that helps make sense of the chaos that the world is experiencing. Ephesians 4 says they, were, they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. In other words, what, what is in it for me? What, what is it that, that in the moment satisfies some urging in my, in my life, in my mind, in my body? But notice, even though there's darkness that we see here in Ephesians, <laughs> separated from the life of God, darkened in the understanding, notice John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You've been called to be the light of the world, and it cannot be overcome by the world's darkness. You are more than overcomers. So I want to talk this, mor this morning, what is Scripture saying to us? How is Scripture talking to us this morning about the light of the world? Light is needed because the world is in darkness. Now, I want, I want you just to see, first of all, that this was a prophetic promise. You are the light of the world, but it's a prophetic promise. Isaiah chapter 42, this goes back a ways. Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, now watch this, and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So you've been called to, to be a person who is the light of the world, and, and it's a prophetic call. Back in Isaiah, there's this call to, to be light. And, and here's to open blind eyes. There are, there are people that are walking in darkness. They don't see the truth because they don't have the darkness is in them. They don't have the light of Christ shining their way. To, to free captives from prison. You know, there are people that are prisoners to all kinds of things. I'm not just talking about people who are sitting in prison. Of course, there are people who are sitting behind um, walls of, of, of concrete and, and barbed wire and, and iron. There are people who are in prison, but there are people who are also are, are captives in prison to all kinds of things. And to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I believe we're in a day when we're going to see more and more direct encounters of the spiritual kind where indeed the forces of evil will be exposed for what they are. Now, don't underestimate, and we talked last, last week about not uh, underestimating sin, or not, not, don't take sin lightly. Don't underestimate the power of sin to really foul things up. Simple sin can mess up your life. It, it, it causes darkness. It, it, it'll, it, there, there's, there's prisons that it will lead you to. I'm not looking for a ghost, a goblin, a demon under every rock. The, 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 the effect of sin will wreak havoc in your life. 
But then there are times when you say, listen, there's something, what else is going on? And, and the, the, spiritual, you know, the, the spiritual forces of darkness, the third of those angels that um, were cast out of heaven, those, those demons that were a part of now Satan's scheme to destroy your life, all of those things coming at you. I believe there are people who, who are in dungeons, <laughs> who sit in darkness, and the light of Christ can set them free. I was talking to a, a pastor, um, Pastor Ecclesius, who was a pastor in Haiti. Um, was there at, at one point and was, was preparing to preach. And I was, uh, you know, um, I was in a lineup. Uh, the worship leaders were worshiping, and I'm thinking, okay, well, um, I've got to be ready. Well, an hour later, I was ready, but they weren't ready. They were still singing and worshiping, and, and it, it probably was close to two hours. I'm sitting there, and, and I had to go to the bathroom. I mean, whew, I mean, I should be done by now. I mean, in America, we're done in an hour, right? We got, we just how it is. And so uh, I had to go to the bathroom, and I haven't preached yet. So I had to go off the platform down the back. Well, during the worship, there had been some, some, some spiritual battles going on, and I didn't know it, but they took those people down behind, in, in, you know, the, where we were stand, standing, pre, you know, ready to preach. And, and uh, uh, my daughter Katie was with me, and uh, uh, she was a young, young lady at the time. And we were down, and there were people who were dealing, spiritual warfare was going on down underneath there. And I'm going, oh boy. So um, she was walking next to me, and I put her on the other side of me, and we're going around this. And, and, uh, and I came back, and, um, and, and he told me, he said, you know, uh, Pastor says, you know, um, he said, in, here in Haiti, we deal with some of these um, uh, absolute conflicts between um, light and dark. And, and, it, and it manifests, it reveals itself in, in significant ways. And so we, 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 you know, we have to deal with it. He said, you in America, he said, usually you deal with the things this way. You ignore things or you cover it up with medicine or alcohol. There is a devil in this world who is full of darkness. And there is a God in this world who is punching holes in the darkness. And I want to tell you, being salt and light in the world today is going to be different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's going to be different today um, and, and even increasingly in the days ahead. When you're called to be light and salt, this is, this is a calling of your life to, to stand in opposition to darkness and to stand there and to know that darkness cannot overcome light. Jesus, watch this in John 8, he, he spoke to them saying, now watch this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then again in John, um, a, a chapter later, he says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But you know, and I know that Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for sin, that's the reason he came, he, he, out of the love of God, Christ came to die uh, for the ungodly, <laughs> so that for, to pay the price for salvation, to be an atoning sacrifice, so that if we believed in him, God said, if you believe in my son, the sacrifice for sin, that, 
that I will give you eternal life. And, and he said, I, I'm, Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. And so here he is. Now he, he, he accomplishes the, the purpose, the, the main purpose that he came to, to, to pay the price for sin. He dies on the cross. He's buried in a tomb. He raises again from the dead. Uh, he, he, he talked to them about the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he said, better that I go. You know, the Holy Spirit will come. He'll be with you. Uh, he'll be with the very end of the age. And Jesus ascends. Jesus is no longer walking the face of the earth. Where is he? He's at the right hand of God the Father. Um, um, and from, as the Apostles' Creed says, and from thus he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Someday he's coming back. Now, in the meantime, he said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, you are the light of the world. So that was also a messianic statement. But notice, it also is, there's an apostolic commission here. Your life is the reflection of the light of Christ. Who, by the way, is the answer that the world needs to live and experience the love of God? The light shines in darkness. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. There is a purpose. We find ultimate purpose in letting our light shine. You see that down at the end of verse 16? Our purpose is to glorify our Father in heaven. There's the end game. You let your light shine so that others may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why we were created, to bring glory to God. So listen, I thought it was about me. I thought it was so that I could build a you know, retirement fund and have, you know, have uh, retirement and grandkids. And I thought it was all about me, my happiness, my joy, what's going on in this life. Leave a legacy for my kids. No, your purpose in life is to bring glory to God. <laughs> now, watch this. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Such a city is prominent and can't be hidden. Um, so scholars looking at this passage of Scripture, Jesus is sitting on, on, a, on, a, on a place there teaching, on a, on a mount. <laughs> and yet, if he looks over, the scholars are looking and say that there were cities that were prominent, a main city prominent, not too far from there, and everyone from there could see it. See, there's a city on the hill, so prominent that it's hard to take your eyes off of it. In the same way, Jesus, he wanted the people of his kingdom to live in such a way, such visible lives, that it attracted the attention to the, the beauty of God's work in their life. Not for their own glory, but to bring glory to God. A city on a hill. You've heard me talk before about the vision we had to put a church on the hill. This is a place in Berrien County that has some elevation to it. Um, what's amazing is you can walk across the property and find yourself in a divot, too. It goes up and down. But up on this hill, there's a, there's a place. We talked about being a, a church on the hill, a church on a hill that where, where there's influence and there's impact and it's visible. It makes a difference. 
Some of you sitting here this morning said you came by because you saw a sign out, out on US 12. You looked, you saw there was a church there. Now, notice, notice what he says. He, he talks about um, you know, a, a city on a hill, but notice this next part. He says, people don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You don't do that. Hiding under a bowl. The, the purpose is to illuminate and expose what is there. Light must be ex- exposed before it's of any use. If it's hidden under a bowl or a basket, it's no longer useful. So the idea of this lampstand, by the way, is, is that it is intentional about letting light shine, a lampstand. Even as lamps are placed high so that their light can be more effective, we should look for ways to let our light shine in greater and broader ways. I like how one uh, commentator put it. He said, Christ Jesus brought the light of deity into the poor lantern of our humanity and then set it upon the candlestick of his church so that the whole house of the world might be lit up thereby. Another quote from another scholar says this, said it this way, Christ knew there, there would be strong temptation for the men that had it in them to be, light, to be lights, to hide their light. It would draw the world's attention to them and so expose them to the ill will of such as, as, such as hate in, 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 of the light. So here's, here's the point. There are those that would like to let their light shine so everyone can see them and they get the glory and there's others who would say, listen, if I let my light shine um, in, in the darkness and the world is headed toward darkness and they don't like it, I'm gonna get in trouble for being light. Because I'm swimming upstream. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm exposing the, the darkness. You know, the, 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 whole, the whole thing of getting into your, you know, your outside garage or tool shed early in spring. When you, you open the doors carefully with a flashlight and you watch the, you know, the mice run. Um, I'm not much scared of mice. There are some in my family that are. Um, somewhat to my delight. <laughs> and the, only thing, the only thing worse that scares some people, um, even some of our um, bigger, stronger, more masculine members of our family, is spiders. Man, is it fun to watch uh, a 19-year-old scream along with his mother <laughs> over a spider. Um, he's not here this morning. He'll be here in second service. I don't know if I'll share that, but um, <laughs> guys, I'm not much scared of mice. Remember, I'm a farm kid. We used to, we used to uh, pick corn. I mean, on the, on the cob, kernels on the cob, pick corn, and it'd be in these big bins, and then later we'd, we'd call a corn sheller, and they'd, they'd set up, and they'd, they would, you know, that, he would go from farm to farm, and they'd shell corn, and we'd be pulling corn out of corn cribs that had been there for some time and I mean the stuff that would run out of there Um, um, I'm gonna get back to this but I'm thinking of something else crazy stories hiding under the bowl you know what I think sometimes hide people hide under the bowl of insignificance oh we're called to be light. 
but what difference does my light make? It's just little old me. What difference can I make? Some people hide under the bowl of insignificance. You know, if our Christianity imitates darkness, then we have nothing to show the world. To be effective, we must seek to display a Christian distinctive. The Christian distinctive is a life filled with the Holy Spirit, producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You, you can never affect the world for Jesus by becoming the world. Some people hide under the bowl of insignificance. Some people hide under the bowl of indifference. You see, not only are we light receivers, but we're supposed to be light transmitters. We have a greater concern than just to walk in the light ourselves. Some people hide, hide under the, the bowl of indifference. They say, Listen, I, I'm okay, and, and you know the people closest to me are okay, and, and the people I sit by on Sunday are okay, but what about the people you're with Monday through Saturday? Are they okay? Sometimes our indifference hides our light. The light we receive is to help others follow Christ. It was never only about you. Of course it's about you, but it's not only about you. Indifference. Here's another one. Inconsistency. Some people hide under the bowl of inconsistency. Spurgeon said this, Christ never contemplated the production of secret Christians, Christians whose virtues would never be displayed, pilgrims who would travel to heaven by night and never be seen by their fellow pilgrims or anyone else. So does the world see you consistently living out the truth of the light of the gospel. Light reminds us that a life marked by the Beatitudes. Remember, Jesus has just been teaching here in Matthew about the Beatitudes. And, and, and a life that is marked by the fruit of the Spirit is not to be lived in isolation. We often assume that those, you know, those, those inner qualities, blessed are all those, and here's the fruit of the Spirit, those inner qualities can only be developed or displayed in isolation from the world, but Jesus wants to live them out before the world, to be on full display for the world to see and to witness. Here's another bowl I think people hide under. It's the bowl of um, inefficiency. <laughs> Watch this. Jesus pointed to the breadth of the impact that must have seemed almost ridiculous at the time. How could these humble Galileans salt the earth or light the world but they did hey you tax collector you hey you fisherman you hey you common person you you're the light of the world jesus took those 12 and they changed the world those there's three word pictures there i hope you don't miss those in this text um, together i think they paint a powerful picture a lot of impact he says his disciples are salt and light and a city on a hill. When I put those three things together, salt is the opposite of corruption. It prevents corruption from getting worse. Light gives the gift of guidance so that those who've lost their way can find the path home, and they know what direction to head out. And a city is the product of social order and government. It, it's against chaos and disorder. So when you're light and salt in a city on a hill, it talks about 
things not decaying, not getting worse. Light talks about clear direction, not stumbling along. And, and a city on a hill reminds me of, 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 of a community of, of people working together, of, of leaders and, and, and followers, and, and not chaos, not anarchy. He said, that's, that's what you're here for, salt and light. The purpose and letting our light so shine by doing good works is so that others will glorify God. So the reason for us to shine is not that men may see how good we are. We don't shine to draw attention to ourselves, but rather that people may see grace in us and God in us. And at some point in their life, they may say, oh, man, what a great father these people have. Because what does it say? That they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. What a good father they may have. You see, our God is also called our Father. Our Father. One commentator said it this way, in God as Father, we learn this, that our Father delights in noble conduct, just as human fathers find joy in sons who act bravely and do good. I have a good friend. Over the years, we have just maintained a, a great friendship. Um, we, we didn't meet till we were in college, but our freshman year we met in college, and um, he has been here. You, you know my friend Sam. He's just different than me in about every which way. Um, but we're united together in Christ and in love for one another. He was, I was in his wedding. He was in mine. Um, when we get together, we pick up wherever the last sentence left off. <laughs> I remember Sam, I think I've told you this story. He's a character. Back in the day, we're college basketball, Sam was on the basketball team, and <clears throat> Dennis Owens was the coach. Uh, Dennis Owens um, was the, is the father of, of Christian Chabot. He was the coach in college, Sam was on the team, and I remember, I remember one time Sam's dad, Ernie Todd, came to... Uh, watch his son play basketball. They lived in, we were in school near Des Moines, Iowa, and his dad was in uh, South Sioux City, Nebraska, and they were having a tournament or whatever, and Sam's dad, Ernie, came to watch his son play. And Sam is just a free spirit. His dad, he got it from his dad. He's adopted. Sam was adopted, and he, and he his fam, family loves him, and um, he has other sisters, but his dad, Sam and his dad, they were good buds, and uh, Anyway, Sam, he's kind of flamboyant guy and lots of love and joy, always laughing. And anyway, he was going for a ball, and he dove to get the ball. Um, the, the, the stage in the gymnasium was close by. He couldn't, he couldn't get stopped. Um, it, it, was st it, was a, it wasn't short stage. It was a good-sized stage, and he jumped the stage. You know, he, he's diving to the end line. He, he jumps the stage, and it had a huge, you know, it was a... Uh, for uh, plays and dramas, a big, heavy curtain. And he grabbed the curtain on his way up in his momentum, carried him in to the stage, and then he, he came back out and he jumped on the floor and the game went on. <laughs> and I'm going, and um, I was sitting by some administrators who were not a bit amused, but the rest of us, that was the night, that was the thing we came for that night. And you should have seen Ernie Todd. He goes, that's my boy. 
that's my boy. You know how many times I've had the picture of Ernie Todd in my, in my mind when I think about who God is? That if an earthly father would look at his son and say, that's my boy. Our Heavenly Father, he looks at you, sister. He looks at you, brother. He says, that's my boy. That's my daughter. You see, what we do can please him, and it brings glory to him. It brings glory to him. What a calling, what an opportunity to let our light shine before me, he says, to bring glory to God. Spurgeon said, poor, poor world, dark, gropes in midnight, can't get light except it receives it through us. To be the light of the world surrounds life with the most stupendous responsibilities and so invests it with the most solemn dignity. Hear this, ye humble men and women, ye who have made no figure in society, you are the light of the world. If you burn dimly, dim is the world's light and dense is its darkness. Now, just a quick word about works. You see, so that they can see your good deed, your good works, and give glory, Father in heaven. It, works don't save you. We're saved by grace through faith. Through faith means believing in Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he's done. Paul says it this way in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. In fact, turn, turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 2. It says, as for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the, the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindnesses to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Watch this. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we Now, that, that's verse 9. And verse 10 says... For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by works, but we've been created to do good works. Salvation is God's remedy for the problem of human sin. Saved from spiritual death, spiritual delusion, spiritual domination, spiritual doom. That's a sermon you could preach right there. But notice the point of works. Not in earning salvation, but the evidence of salvation. The evidence that God is working on us because you and i wouldn't do good works apart from god working on us it's evidence that we are serving god it is evidence that we're following his example it's evidence that we're following a long line of christ followers it's evidence that what god prepared for us to do in advance is being accomplished and notice one more thing again works don't earn salvation works are evidence of our salvation but works are a way of life for those who are experiencing salvation, and this important warning about not doing good. Let your light shine, and here's a warning about not doing good. James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do 
and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I'm going to let God, by the power of his word and spirit, connect that to our lives however he will. If you know the good that you ought to do and you don't do it, it is sin for them. You see, there's this mentality sometimes for people in churches that say, I don't swear, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. I'm good, right? I'm good, right? James 4.17 says, if there's something that you know that is good to do and you don't do it, talking about letting your light shine, it is sin for them. Here's some good deeds. Notice it's a learned behavior. I'm going to finish this up in just a couple moments. Good deeds, you can learn them. Uh, scripture says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Um, good deeds are a learned behavior. Our people, Titus 3.14, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. Learn to devote yourself to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Good deeds are something that can be learned. It also is a powerful example. If you go back in Titus Chapter 2, and everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they had nothing bad to say about you. Good deeds can be learned. They are powerful examples. Titus, by the way, goes on to say, um, uh, uh, also in chapter 2, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself up for us. Notice it also has a powerful impact. So not only is it something, good works is something that you can learn to do, it also is a powerful example, but it has a purposeful impact. The reason we let our light shine with good deeds is not for our glory, but for the God's glory. It's the reason we exist, to bring Him glory. First Peter 2. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. I'm going to invite the team to come and they're going to lead us in our last song. while they're coming, <laughs> I just want to remind you of a, a commercial that I'm sure you've heard. There, there's a couple, <laughs> there's, there's three commercials, some of my favorite of all time. One, I love the Super Bowl commercial from years ago. <clears throat> there's a guy that's, I think, sitting in some, probably some short shorts, and um, a wife beater, you know, wife tank top, you know. And he's eating a sandwich. 
and he's pouring hot sauce on his sandwich. I think it's Frank's Red Hot, anyway, some hot sauce. And there's a mosquito, remember? And it lands on him, and he pours a little more hot sauce on, and he eats, and he's just watching this mosquito suck blood out of his hand. And all of a sudden, you know, it gets bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden the mosquito just blows up, right? That's some good hot sauce, I'm telling you. <laughs> Love that commercial. Oh, there's another one of a lady at Christmas who goes to the card aisle. And she opens these cards that have this singing in them, you know, music. And she starts opening all these cards and, you know, what a, what a, yeah, you'll have to look that one up. I love the old United commercial. A boss and his employees are all standing around and in his back pocket he's got lots of plane tickets. He's talking to his staff and he said, listen, things have to change. We've been, we've been doing business with, I mean, this was years and years ago, with emails and telephones and all that kind of stuff. And he said, um, but things have to change. We're going to do business and we're going to do it face to face and people matter. And we're going to So he hands out these plane tickets and says, I want you to go visit this person. I want you to see them. It's that, it's that face-to-face. It's that personal kind of touch that is necessary for doing business. And, and then at the end of the commercial, he comes, and he's got a pocket, you know, that still has one ticket in it. Somebody says, where are you going, boss? And he says, I, I'm going. I'm going to go. This is my ticket, and I'm going to go visit that customer that fired us this morning. And then the one that I'm thinking applies maybe more to us even today is Motel 6. I don't know if there's a Motel 5, 4, 3, 2, or 1, or even 0. But I got to tell you, I don't aspire to stay at Motel 6. I have. But after that commercial, I have to tell you, it kind of makes me want to go check them out. You see, of all the stuff that you got to do, maybe not all this fancy stuff and all that fancy stuff and doesn't have all the stuff the world can offer. But at the end, you remember the line? We'll leave the light on for you. Is the light on? in your life so that people can see and see what you do and then we'll bring glory to our Father in heaven. Will you leave the light on? Church has responsibility to leave the light on. There's people who are looking for how to live in this world. They're lost. They're imprisoned. They're lonely. And they need Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He looks at us and he says, you are the light of the world. So as we go this morning, and we become the church in the world, let your light shine before men. Bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. 
Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 